Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome once again to the best sports podcast show that's out there. I am the best host that there is, the professor, aka Malcolm Campbell. What's up, everybody? Um, <clears throat> this episode is going to be amazing. We're gonna have a fun time. We're gonna talk about the Nets and the Clippers. We're gonna talk about is Giannis the most unstoppable player in the NBA and Shaq's comments about Giannis. I'm like, we're really gonna get into that. <clears throat> the Lakers and LeBron and the situation and my last time I'll talk about them until next year because I'm gearing up for the new season. The Warriors' big statement game against the Nuggets when they just completely blow them off the floor and embarrass them. And we're going to talk about Russ's 2020-20 night. That is going to be something we got to talk about because I've, I've got a lot to say about Russ and who he is as a player and as a person. But right off the jump, we're going to get right into the Clippers and the Brooklyn Nets. Um, these two teams were on my radar at the beginning of this season. I kind of saw Doc, Doc Rivers... And the simple fact that now he doesn't have to um, coach and be the uh, president of basketball operations is really good for him. Um, I think it's allowed him more freedom to coach. I think it's allowed him more time with his players and connect with his players even more. Um, He made Tobias Harris a really good player. He made him a helped him become a perennial all star, which also, by the way, Tobias Harris is a really good player because now he's made Philly a title contender um, completely. Their starting five is lethal. And you just look at the job he's done with these guys with um, Jonas Alexander and Patrick Beverly and Lou Williams and Zubak and. You know, what he did with Boban, you just look at the team, the Herald, the team that they have. They have a bunch of guys that are dogs that are willing to fight to win basketball games. And I think that's something that's been overlooked for them the whole year. They didn't really start to get recognition until the All-Star break, really. I mean, people mentioned the Clippers a little bit at the beginning of the season, but they, they imagine that they fall off. And they haven't. Even when they traded Tobias Harris... It's like they became a better team. And that just goes to show the coaching. It also goes to show the leadership when it comes to the front office with Jerry West, who has done a phenomenal job with this basketball team, um, doing a whole lot better than what Magic Johnson's doing uh, with the Lakers. And Jerry just hearing him talk and give his interviews he understands what it takes to win. And I think he understands that very well. No disrespect to him is because he did lose a lot. So he does understand what not to do or what can cause you to not win or what a team needs. And when he came in, he cleared it for the Clippers and said, Tobias, you're gone. Even though we just brought you up. Blake's gone. DeAndre's gone. Chris Paul's gone. They've had, the, to be honest with you, probably the most pleasant transition outside of Boston, maybe, of going from a big three era of going from 
having those kind of players, all-star players, and to just be where they are, they've done one hell of a job. They've done one hell of a job. To put themselves in this position, especially when the Lakers miss the playoffs and the Clippers do, and now it looks like the Clippers are one of those teams in the playoffs that you just might not want to see because of how tough they are. Now, granted, they're probably not going to win the first round, but they're going to give you a tough series. That is pretty much for certain. They're going to give you a tough series. Because right now, the Clippers are sitting as the sixth seed, and they will go up against Houston in the first round. That'd be a, ooh, that'd be a really good matchup. I think I would like to see um, Utah versus Houston in the first round, though. Not going to lie to you. But I think it's very interesting. I think the Clippers have done a phenomenal job. I can't wait for them to get Kawhi. I really hope they get Kawhi because they need an all-star in that team. Kawhi, I mean, right now the Clippers are sitting at 47 and 31. Let's say they get 50 wins or close to about. Maybe they do get 50 wins. Let me check their schedule real quick. They're at 47, so 48, 49, 50. It's possible they could get 50 wins. If they if they if they get fifty wins, you're talking about Golden State, Denver, Houston, Portland, possibly Utah, and the Clippers with fifty wins. You're talking about six teams in the West with fifty wins. And then look at the East, the Bucks, the Raptors, the Sixers, the Pacers, and the Celtics. You're talking about five teams. So I can't remember. I got to look that stat up, but I can't remember the last time when there were like six teams on one conference and five teams in another that had 50 plus wins like that. That that would be an amazing triumphant feat. It, it, it really would. And the, uh, the Spurs is probably shoot. So the Spurs could possibly be seven. OKC okay, could possibly be eight. Oh, geez, Scott, this conference is so deep. The Western Conference is so deep, and I love it. I absolutely love it. Now, the other team I've been getting, giving credit for this whole season is the Nets. I think they completely swindled and stole the Lakers' lunch money when it came to Angelo Russell. It makes absolutely just no sense how they allowed that trade to happen, given the outcome of what the kind of the kind of player that he's become, because he's completely—I don't want to say he's done a three sixty, but he's changed his attitude, his attitude, his approach to the game, his practice methods. He humbled himself, and now is an all star this past year, and could possibly take his team in the first round of the playoffs. And they could go up against, I would love to see them go up against Philadelphia. Now, granted, I would say Philadelphia obviously wins that series. But, man, I would love to see Toronto and the Nets go at it. I mean, it 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 would, it would be such a good series. And I just love the team that they have. They do have a rough end to the season. You know, they lost against the Bucs. They lost against the Raptors. So they could they go up against the Bucs again. 
then they face the Pacers, and then they face the Heat. So they have to be careful because they do not want to fall down the ladder because Detroit's at seven. They face the Thunder, they face the Hornets, they face the Grizzlies, and they face the Knicks. So they don't have a bad ending. And you don't want to drop because right now Miami and Orlando are fighting for that eighth spot. And Orlando's got the Hawks, they got the Celtics, and they got the Hornets. And for Miami, they play, they're about to lose against Boston tonight. Then they face Minnesota, Raptors, Sixers, and then the Nets. Miami might be out. So maybe, yeah, Miami might be out. So Brooklyn probably still will make it, but you don't they don't want to fall down the ladder. I don't think they want that. But I think Brooklyn is a great destination for a lot of free agents. Um, I think it makes sense for Kevin Durant to go there because when you look at the team, they're very well coached. They just extended the head coach, I believe. Um, they have a really good front office, the way they're running things over there. Uh, it's Brooklyn. You know, you're still New York. It's not Madison Square Garden, but it's a better run organization than the Knicks right now. And then on top of that, Jay-Z owns part of the Nets, and you are assigned to Rock Nation. So that also would boost the Rock Nation brand. And on top of that, it will boost your own brand in New York. And maybe you do get Kyrie to team up with you. And then Russell's a two-guard. And then maybe you do have your big three in Kyrie, D'Angelo Russell, and Kevin Durant. Um, that's a possibility. Um, and with that young talent that they have, and those young contracts. So the Nets are really appealing to me. Um, they've, they've, they've shown so much fight this year. They look like they're having so much fun as a team, as an organization. And I absolutely love it. I absolutely love that they finally rebounded from the Boston Celtics trade. Um, and now they're reaping the benefits of being patient, drafting well, developing players well. These are the things that they were willing to do and take their time. Now they have two max spots available. Uh, who knows how, what Russell's going to get paid. I hope he stays with the Nets. I hope he doesn't leave. Um, I really have no idea where he would go. Seriously, that he'd go back to Lakers. But I have no idea where he would go um, because that hasn't really been discussed. I don't think a lot of people believe he will leave um, just because they helped him resurrect his career. But the Nets and the Clippers have made big-time changes to their teams. Um, the organizations are being run well. Um, it's just it's just about to be a great time for these two cities because they've been little brother for a long time. And I'm typing up a blog post, an article about that, about the Clippers and the Nets no longer being little brother. Um, because right now they position them, themselves to to triumph Big Brother in a good way. Um, because they're just doing it right. And I love rewarding teams, players, organizations that have just done it right. they just done it right. And I absolutely love that. Um, I think it's something absolutely fantastic. Um it's great for the league uh, to see that these organizations are making their way back up to the top. I absolutely love it. Um, I think they absolutely deserve it. Um, we need to see more teams and organizations make these kind of moves. As great as it's been to see the large markets like 
the Boston Celtics, you know, the Lakers, you know, teams like that in the limelight. It is also great to see little brothers start to step up when it comes to the Clippers who look like they can make a um, big splash landing with acquiring Kawhi Leonard and stealing the thunder away from LeBron and Magic Johnson in L.A. And then with the Brooklyn Nets, the Knicks are terrible. The GM is – not the GM, I'm sorry. The GM and the head coach and the front office has done a good job with this team. But the owner, he needs to sell the team. It's, it's, it's beyond unbelievable how trash of an owner he has been and the Knicks have been so haven't been relevant since Melo, Amari, and Chandler were on the team back in 2012. And even then, they were still a mediocre team run by a very bad owner. So the Knicks have been bad for a very long time, and maybe their heyday is coming again. Maybe Kevin Durant and Kyrie go there. Maybe I, I have no idea. It'd be great, but the owner is absolutely terrible. And guys like that that do not run a team very well and do not focus on building a good product for your fans, you should not be rewarded by getting two big-time players. Like, you just shouldn't. There shouldn't be a reward for being ignorant at that point. Like, to say that you're going to ban a fan because they told you to sell the team and you got caught on camera, you banned them from life from Madison Square Garden, I mean, that's that's just childish. You know, you're a billionaire. Like, why are you worried about what this fan has to say? But anyway... I'm not going to go to a rant about that, but it's great to see Little Brother finally step it up. You know, another team that I really want to get in and talk about is one of my hometown teams. It makes my soul very happy that they have fired Ernie Grunfeld from being the general manager of the Washington Wizards. The Wizards have been trash for a very long time. I try not to use that word a lot lately because it's very aggressive, but... They have just been so bad, and he's part of the reason. He has given out some of the worst contracts in the league. Otto Porter's four years, I think it was $106 million. They overpaid for him. They completely overpaid for Porter. Grant, he's a really good wing player, but he's not worth over $100 million for four years. Like, that deal... It, it, it didn't make sense, and they probably could have used that as a way to get out of some of their bad contracts. But given Amon Ahimi a two-year, $6 million deal was stupid, giving John Will, John Wall excuse me, his max contract of five years, I think it's $280 million, um, and then he gets injured, and then he misses the rest of the season, and he might not play next year any, anyway. It's just absolutely ridiculous. You can't, his health was so questionable and you give him such a fat contract like that and you don't protect the franchise. Yeah, you got to go. Because Bradley Beal's over here balling and playing like an all-star while he's underpaid, he's carrying the team and he's putting up career numbers. Yeah, he's going to have to get paid too. So whoever takes this GM job, and from what Brian Windhorst was reporting the other day on The Jump, one of my favorite shows on television, he basically pointed out how how this is a very popular job, and a lot of people are lining up for the Wizards job. One, because it's D.C. There are so many opportunities in D.C. when you're talking about business, especially being a GM of a uh, basketball team. So many business opportunities in Washington. You're in the nation's capital. 
It's beautiful in DC. The weather's great. Great population. Great people. Food culture. That this that and the third. But whoever comes in will have to clean house. Like players are gonna have to be traded, cut. You're gonna have to start fresh and probably start drafting. Um, now, hopefully, you can keep Bradley Beal, but I seriously doubt John Wall's contract is gonna be moved. If whoever comes in and moves that contract will probably win executive of the year because it's that bad of a contract. Um, and I just I just don't know how I've, I've been a huge John Wall supporter. I, I really wish he would have showed up game seven against Boston. They would have made a trip to the finals and that would have been great for his career and for the city of D.C. They wouldn't have won the series, but it would have been great to see. But they definitely. No, this this is not working and it's. It's clear you need to reset and you need to start over um, because it's time to make a change. It's time to make a change for the Wizards, and I'm tired of the Wizards being this bad because the fans of D.C. do not deserve it. They deserve a lot better than what they're getting right now, 100%. Now, the great thing about John Wall not playing next year is if he doesn't play at all next year, then insurance company picks up 80% of his contract. So he gets 80% of that money that year. So he'll get, he gets paid a, probably like, I think 42 or $40 million. So he'll probably get about, probably between 30 to maybe like 36, 37 in that range. That's probably what he'll get next year. And the Wizards won't have to pay for that 80%. They'll pay the other 20%. Which off their books, um, I'm trying to think, it would probably be maybe like 10, 12, yeah. So they would basically be playing for like a role player that season for John if he doesn't play at all, which is a steal at that point because then they get cap relief for that year. So if they do want to add a piece or two to try to try to get in the playoffs, they can, but they could also take that time out to get rid of that bad cap number and work some things out. I'm still on the fence with Scott Brooks, but I really hope a guy like David Griffin, maybe a Chauncey Billups, um, somebody that can get in there and make the Wizards relevant again. Because Wall and Beal had that potential. If one of them gets traded at this point, I don't know. But I still feel like they have that potential, and I think Wall is the key to it all. Beal is going to show up, and he's going to ball, and he's going to play hard. Wall's jump shot has been a problem, and so it's his, his health. And he needs to work to get back out there because it's time to put up or shut up. Very simple. Time to put up or shut up. And I'm going to leave it at that because I want to talk about what Shaq had to say about Giannis. Now, I believe Shaquille O'Neal is one of the greatest big men of all time. Firmly believe that. I think you could argue he's top five, easy. I think you could argue he's top two, depending on your preference, top three, four, whatever. Or you think he's the best. But when I look at Shaq and his heyday and what he did, when Shaq was 24, he had already gone up against Jordan. 
He has taken his team to the finals at that point. Giannis has neither have done neither of those things. One, I, he obviously can't play against Jordan. And two, he has yet to take his team to the finals. He could do that this year. Very well could. Then you give him all that praise. But one of the issues that I have with the Bucks this season is that their lack of playoff experience probably will show just like it will show with Denver. I think, and the reason why I say that, I really feel strongly that way because when Giannis had an opportunity to go up against LeBron and just dominate LeBron and really put his foot on the threshold of the NBA if he wanted to, he came up short and scored 16 points and nine rebounds in that game. To me, he just, it looked like the moment was too big for him. And come playoff time, those moments are going to happen a lot where it's time for you to show up. And I don't know if he's ready mentally for that. I think his body is physically prepared for that. But your mental psyche come playoff time matters. And I don't know if mentally he's there but I'll, we'll find out come playoff time. We'll find out come playoff time. I didn't have these questions about Shaq. I didn't I didn't tr- not trust him mentally to dominate his matchup and help his team win. Shaq went up against grown men. He went up against grown men. Like, granted, having Kobe helps later in your career, but... Shaq was a dominant force. He's one of the reasons why they completely redesigned the basketball court in the NBA because he broke it so many times that they had to eventually replace it because he kept breaking it. So I'm I'm of the mindset that as great as Giannis has been, he's not on Shaq's level. I need to see it come playoff time. Shaq owned the block. He was a center. He was the most unstoppable force in the NBA. And just his physicality wore you down. And then his 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 mind games were even worse. He just knew he was that physically gifted, more gifted physically than you were. and just overpowered you and made you feel helpless. So I'm of the mindset that, yeah, Giannis has been great. But I can't give him the title of Superman. I can't. I really can't. Is he a top five player? You can make that argument. But to say he's the most unstoppable player, and that he's and then Shaq saying he's better than him, I let let's wait. Let's wait on that, Shaq. Let's wait on that. Because that that to me, that's a lot. Especially this year. Because Giannis has done a lot, but if this season had taught us anything, we truly need to wait and see on what's going to happen come playoff time. Because a lot of people, and we're going to move in next talking about them, a lot of people believe that the Lakers are going to make the playoffs and they were going to make a Western Conference Finals trip. Well, they didn't. They're missing the playoffs, and it's a shit show with the Lakers. So, huh, this is going to be the last time we're going to talk about them. I'm really not trying to talk about them um, for the rest 
of the season because they're out of the playoffs and I want to focus on other teams and things of that nature. But, you know, I want to... I want to see if I can find it. I should be able to find it. I want to discuss with you guys a topic I had about with one of my former classmates that I went with. And it was about LeBron. And it was a quote from Nick Wright from First Things First. And he said, this year in Los Angeles, LeBron was number one in career and points per minute. Number one in his career in rebounds per minute. Number two in his career in assists per minute. On a thirty on a per minute or per thirty six minute basis, as productive as he's ever been. Now, you know how I am with analytics. So Nick just gave you a lot of big numbers and just some big time stats. And when you read it, you'd be like, "Wow!" But the question you have to ask yourself next is, how many wins did that generate? See, Nick thinks he's slick. He gives you that big stat and says all those things, but he misses the most important thing. How many dubs are you getting out of all of that? And that's fair. That's fair to for me to ask because I've asked those questions with a lot of players. You could put up big time numbers. Is your team winning? Are you guys successful? Are you going to make the playoffs? These are the things that I look at when I look at my superstars. And then for this season has been, like I said, has been a complete shit show for the Lakers, Laker Nation, LeBron, Johnson, Palenka, Genie, the Laker Fanatics on TV, Nick Shannon, uh, who else? Max, who else am I thinking of? Um, you know, all the Laker fanboys out there as well. Um, this is... This hurt you this season. I get it. But we also cannot be blind and just solely act like LeBron isn't part of the reason why this season ended up the way that it was. You can't tell. You can say his injury had a part to do with it, and it does. His injury does have a part to do with it. But you can't sit here and tell me that, oh, they still would have done what they would have done. If he didn't get hurt. No, no, no. You can't say that. Because what I'll throw back at you is their schedule. And how they were at that point in the season where they had the easiest part of their schedule. And if you look at their record with LeBron when he played, it's not a good record. It's like a sub-500 record. So it goes to show that even with him having number one being number one in career points per minute and number one in rebounds per minute in his career, number two career in assists per minute and being productive as, as he's ever been, as Nick has said, it has not generated to enough wins. And I think that's what's getting lost in all of that. Because in the NBA, you could put up big numbers, but your team has to win. Period. If your team isn't winning when you're putting up big numbers, then why are you playing? So my response to what Nick said, I said, next year determined if LeBron James, I put LBJ, is still a top five player. No excuses next year. Bounce back. Take your team to the playoffs and make a deep run. Anything less than that is bad. He went to L.A. for championships. That's what I believed 
20 hours ago. I promise you that last sentence, he went to LA for championships. I will tell you why I completely changed my mind on that. So my boy, so he replies, so injuries is an excuse. I'm not asking because he's still the best to me at, at least number two, but I can't discredit his individual season. Lakers was fifth, fourth in the West for his seat before his injury and more injuries came downwards. You're trying to take him out of the top five. Shake my head. I never said I was taking him out of the top five. I never said I was taking him out of the top five. Never said that. I said next year will determine that. I didn't take him out of anything. I never took him out of anything. And my response is, I want LeBron to be great, but it all starts with him. Lead the pack. He was like, what pack? He came back from injury as the ninth seed with no point guard. Rondozo was out. Ingram got hurt shortly afterwards. They traded Zubak. Kuzma missed some time. Lonzo never came back, and Buza went overseas. Got to be realistic. Wait a minute. About a tweet ago, you were telling me it was the fourth seed before his injury. So you tell me he played all five positions? Now, now, see, that's what I'm saying right there. That's what I'm saying right there. You're using his injury as an excuse, but then you're also trying to give him credit for it. You can't give him credit at the same time. You can't sit here and say, oh, his injury had a big reason to do with it, but they also didn't really have a team, so he didn't really have any help. Like That's always the excuse that he seems to get is that, oh, he ain't got enough help. But wait a minute, they were the fourth seed at one point in time. So what were they doing at that point in time to make them the fourth seed? So I replied, I replied, which is true, he has led worse teams into the playoffs, injuries or not. He totally has. He's led worse. His response was, yeah, but he's never been injured. He said to himself, if he played majority of the seasons, Lakers would be in the playoffs as a fifth or sixth seed. People were saying they could upset the Warriors before he got hurt. Skr, skr. Uh-uh. I don't know who was saying that, but I don't think anybody definitively was saying that the Warriors were in trouble against the Lakers. I think there was some hype, but I truly believe people know, like, even Stephen A was like, if the Lakers avoid the Warriors, they're making the Warriors Conference Finals. I, I do believe if he would have played, they would have been a low seed, probably five, six, seven, or eight, because they still would have that rough patch of their season. And you got to think about Alonzo still would have been out. The injury, the Ingram would have still have happened. Kuzma's injury. So it wouldn't have been good. And he would have to carry the whole team. So my response was, and this is when I start joking around. I said, they were not upsetting the wars. I don't know where you're at that, but their basketball card need to be checked. And he was like, I'm telling you that this team this year could have went to the playoffs and won a series or two, if not for injuries. Not LeBron. Stop blaming the man for everything. I'm not blaming him for everything. See, he's taking his frustrations out on me, thinking I'm talking about everybody else. No, I don't blame him for everything. He takes some blame for it. But my response was, and you also got to think about it. They would have made the playoffs. Could they have won the first round if they voided Golden State? Probably, maybe. But you'll never know this year because it's not going to happen now. My response was, but they're not being going to stay in a seven-game series. I'm not saying Bron has to be the best defender, but he has to play better than what he did. I'm not blaming him for it all. 
But he has to be Braun even in the bad moments, which is true. When bad moments like these happens, we will rely on the superstars to fix it and to turn it around. And he didn't fix it. He actually added more fuel to the fire a little bit. His response was, dude, he's 34. The fact that he's doing what he's doing is amazing. I'm just being real. Yes, he has to play better defense, but he's still playing above average for what he's supposed to be doing. He's av- He averaged 27, 7, and 7 at 34. Shake my head. If he was in the playoffs, it'd be a different story for y'all. My response was, he set the bar. I want him to meet it. Any other time he does. This year has been troublesome, but every team has issues. You overcome them and you and you make and make deep runs. He has always done that till this year. He'll bounce back, no doubt. The question is, can the Lakers keep up? Which is absolutely true. Because he'll bounce back, but the question is, can the Lakers keep up with LeBron? And if they can't, you're going to have a repeat of this past season. And then this is when he kind of ends it. So he says, dude, I'm done. You missed the main point of him being injured for the first time and him being 34. But here's the thing. When he was 34 and he wasn't injured, y'all giving him praise. The injury has a part, has a issue, has a, has a part in all of this. Yes, but you can't talk about how he's alienated his teammates. He's called out his teammates. He's fed into the AD drama. He hasn't helped the chemistry of the team this year. That you can't deny because it shows on the court. And he goes on to say, nobody can overcome their team losing while they're hurt. Shake my head. He's like, you got him, bro. Enjoy the playoffs. And he kind of left it at that. I didn't. But I will join the playoffs. Not going to lie to you. But, you know, it's it's just, and I talked to my girl about this. And I'm going to get into the Rick Buecher comments because this really resonates a lot about LeBron. And for some apparent reason, people don't want to be honest and be vocal about it and just be clear with it. Because everybody's trying to be cool with him and be in his clique and get the know-how and stuff like that and try to be cool. But you've got to be honest. I'm not saying why he's injured. He's got to overcome it all. But don't sit here and tell me you're in playoff mode and you're really not. And you're just you're stirring up the pot. The drama, alienating the teammates, calling out the coach, calling out your teammates. You know, the playoff mode thing. Like, why even say that? Because if that was your playoff mode, it didn't work, obviously. And I I finished with these last two tweets. I'm talking about next year. And you're still in this season, LOL. I'm saying next year you will bounce back. This year for the whole team was bad. I know that he bring I I know what he brings to the table. It is the whole team that needs to step up. Brian will do Brian things, no question. Zoe, Ingram, Kuzma have to play better. Zoe has to stay healthy. He has missed more games than he has played. I want these young black men to succeed. And that is absolutely true. I want them to succeed. But at the same time, he has a lot to do with why this team is playing the way that they are playing. And how they've reacted. Like, some of the reports I think are false. Some I think are true. 
at this point, the team meeting thing, I never saw the point behind that because the season's over and some of these guys won't be there. So I think that's more of an optics thing. Um, and I'm not hating on LeBron. I'm not hating on the Lakers. I'm just being honest, being a realist. Like, that's the whole point of this podcast. If you don't want to to be real, to be honest, and you want to just overlook a lot of things and show favoritism, that's fine. You're entitled to that opinion. But on this podcast, I'm going to speak the truth. And he has a lot to do. He has a part in why this team played the way that is played and the season has gone the way that has gone. You have to put him at the top of the list. If you don't, you're just... You're not being honest with yourself, and you're lying. Yeah, he was hurt, but guess what? He came back. Well, if your excuse is, oh, he wasn't healthy, then why come back if you're not healthy? You see, Lonzo didn't come back. I knew I knew he wasn't coming back. I knew he wasn't coming back. When he got that injury, and I looked at the season, I was like, he's not coming back. He is not coming back to this. At all. I wouldn't go back to that if I was him in his position. I'd be like, oh, hell no. I'll wait till next year, get right, and then come back. But we all know why LeBron wanted to play, because he wanted to pass Jordan the all-time scoring list. He wanted that recognition. He didn't want to mess up his numbers. You can kind of tell because the way that he played. And he wanted to give the optics of, yeah, I'm about to bounce back next year. Because he loves the drama. He loves the spotlight. It's who he is. But I, I totally agree what, you know, Rick Buecher said today on um, Undisputed. And I kind of I kind of think about it more and more. And I'm going to have to rewatch it again because it was just his take on the Lakers. His take on Russ was absolutely fantastic. Um, I disagree with his take on the Warriors. But, you know, I'll get into that. But his take with the come to LeBron and the Lakers, he, he just said, in my heart of hearts, he's like, I just don't believe that he came here to win championships in LA. And Skip was like 100% agree with that. He's like, I think he did this for his post career. And you kind of know when somebody's speaking straight facts about LeBron, when Shane is quiet. And then his first response is, I don't like what you say, man. And he kind of said it in a way where it's like, Shane understands that it makes a lot of sense. Um, the simple fact that even Rick said that it kind of just resonated with me. He has been full throttle when it comes to his his projects in LA. He has not stopped since he came to LA. You know, he just has another commercial of professional athletes chasing, I think, civilians in this like kind of like survive. I don't want to say survival of the fittest, but this maze game. And it said executive producer LeBron James. I'm like, damn, he's got another show coming out. And then he's working on Space Jam 2, and then here's the optics of it all. He's going to build a full-time basketball, a big basketball court in the set of Space Jam 2 so he can work out and stuff like that. Okay. All right. But I just I just truly believe that when you look at this team, and Rick also had these great points about the Lakers, he just doesn't believe they're also going to win a championship or not another reason because of the simple fact that On the simple fact that when you look at what they need to do, they need to get a new head coach. They have to get another star. And on top of that, 
they have to revamp this roster. They have to do three major critical things just to improve and get into the playoffs. Golden State, to me, is still going to be Golden State. I totally agree with Jalen Rose. I think Boogie resigns with Golden State if Katie leaves. I don't know where else he would land. They're talking about the Lakers, but I don't think he'd be a good fit there, um, to be honest with you, because I just think I don't think him and LeBron would work together. Uh, I think the team defensively wouldn't be as good, um, to be honest with you, because when you have a I, – I just think the pairing wouldn't be very well. I don't think it would work. Um, so I look at that. I also look on the simple fact that when you look at Boogie State and Golden State, he would get his money. Golden State would pay him better than, obviously, the vet minimum. Um, I'd, I, I'd still consider OKC a threat. And we'll get into Russ because I keep bringing up OKC. Um, Denver would be a threat, but not really because... Nikola Nokic, Nokic, I'm just, I'm out on. He just, he, he's a bad defender. And for him to be that big and can't move is a problem. And they don't have a guard that can get him the ball. So they have to hope Isaiah Thomas bounces back or Porter um, becomes the next big thing. Uh, because that's what they have to hold their hat on, especially on the Porter thing. Um, you know, Portland's going to be back and they're going to be healthy. Um, Houston's going to be back. The Spurs are not going anywhere. The Clippers are already in the playoffs and may possibly pick up Kawhi Leonard, which would be great. So, I mean, I just named all those playoff teams. And then on top of that, you know, Sacramento could be in the mix to make the playoffs next year. Who else could be in the mix? Um, Utah. I forgot about Utah. So they've 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 got a lot of teams that could be better. Dallas, they've got a lot of teams that could be better next year and can make moves. And it's just hard to believe that yeah, they might get Ty Lue or get the coach that they want, but it might take two years to get the roster that you want. Um, because to see, I don't think they're gonna get an A list star. I think Kawhi should go into the Clippers, KD and Kyrie. I do not believe. They're going to the Lakers or the Clippers. I think they're both. Kyrie's staying out east, and KD's going out east. Um, I think they will play together. Um, who else? I said Kawhi to the Clippers. I don't believe they're going to get Anthony Davis unless they get Zion Wilson, Zion, but I don't think they're going to get Zion either. Um, I don't think they're going to get AD also because I don't think the Pelicans are going to trade for to the Lake, trade him to the Lakers. So Anthony Davis, at that point, he is 25. He would be 27, and he'd be playing probably with a 36, or is he 24? Is he 24? He might be 20. He might be 24. I have to, I have to look at that up. I got to get his age right. I know LeBron's 34. Um, give me a second. Basketball reference. Love them. Anthony Davis, where are you at? There he is. So he is, he's been in the league for six years. Wow, he hasn't been in the league for that long. Hmm. Uh, he is 25. So he'd be 27, yeah. So LeBron would be 36 at that point. Who knows what LeBron's going to look like at 36. 
the team that you have around him. And Anthony Davis has shown that he can't be the best player on a championship team because it to me it just he's one of the reasons why it didn't work out in New Orleans and you, you have to you can't let him off the hook on that one either. Because that matters. That matters. He didn't do anything with New Orleans, so that matters, but you're looking at a very difficult situation that the Lakers are in. And I totally co- completely agree with uh, Rick when he says that they could be looking at even the B-list players, you know, maybe a Butler or a um, Kemba Walker or something like that. I mean, even then, you still don't have a lot of shooting. And that's the issue with that. And then they would have to fill out that roster and you just don't know how they're going to be able to do that. Um, Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka buried themselves in a hole. Um, and now they got to dig themselves out of it. And just to do it in one offseason, it doesn't sound like it's going to be possible. Will the Lakers make the playoffs next year? <sighs> we thought they were going to do it this year. So I'm going to be honest with y'all. I have no clue. I have no clue. There's so many dominoes that need to fall. I can't definitively sit here and say, oh, they're just going to make the playoffs. Because we all thought they were going to do it this year, and they didn't at all. Whether you believe that's because of LeBron's injury or whatever, but they just didn't do it. Um, so it's it's going to be a tough uphill battle for Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka. It's going to be something that they're going to have to figure out um, because they're in a hole. They're in a serious hole, and there's absolutely nothing they can do about it. But the one team that are doing something about their future right now is the Golden State Warriors. I kept trying to tell y'all Denver was going to be a good team this year, but they weren't going to be the Warriors. Um, You know, I tried to tell, you know, Julian that I believe he said Denver is a threat to the Warriors. I can't remember, but they're, they're just no match. When Golden State turns it on, they turn it on. Kevin Durant got ejected, but, you know, he had 21 points. He was 9 from 13 from the field. The dude would have had 30-plus. Easy. Um, So when you combine that with the simple fact that Boogie just completely dominated the post and he continues to dominate his big man matchups that he's been going up against outside of Joel Embiid, um, he's just a matchup nightmare. Um, A lot of people are not giving him credit for when he plays well. I think some people are just focused on trying to figure out or just trying to say they're vulnerable. You know, they're trying to be the first ones to say it, to 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 get the popularity and be like, yeah, I said it first. Yeah, I said it first. But I just think that there were no, there were no match for um, the Golden State Wars at all. The Wars, to me, they look ready for the playoffs. I, I believe they're going to flip the switch. I also believe Boston's going to flip the switch. Um, I could be wrong, but I'm going down with the ship on that. Um, but I just look at the whole situation and the Warriors, to me, will lock up the number one seed. They'll either face San Antonio or the Thunder in the first round. Um, I would love to see them face San Antonio because I don't want the Thunder to face Golden State in the first round. I'd rather see them go up against Denver. I think they could take Denver. I think they would love that matchup. Um, but I just... I just I just don't see anybody being Golden State unless it's possibly Philly 
because of their physicality and their starting five. Can match Golden State starting five? And you couldn't hide Steph. Well, you could with J.J. Reddick. But I just, and Boston, because I feel like Boston has it all. Um, but, you know, Rick believes, Rick Buecher believes that you have to create good championship habits. And the Warriors haven't done that lately. Um, now, granted, they could have the championship habits. They could just be flipping the switch. Who knows? But if there's any team that gets the benefit of the doubt, I truly believe it's this Golden State Warriors team. Without question, the Warriors get the benefit of the doubt um, because they made the finals the past four years. Um, so you have to just ultimately look at that and give them credit where credit is due. So I look at... Sorry, I had to get some water, but... I just look at their situation, and they just look too good to me. Kevin Durant looks like he can be unstoppable come playoff time. Steph, I mean, the whole situation with his con- not having contacts and having blurred vision for the past couple of years, and then all of a sudden him getting contacts and he gets out his shooting streak, I think is one of the most hilarious stories I've ever heard. And if it is true, which I believe it is, I don't believe Steph would lie unless he's just doing it as a joke. This is insane. This is why I told Julian to tell people he's the best three-point shooter of all time. I'll stand by that. I will go down with that ship. I can even go as far as saying he's the second best point guard of all time behind Magic Johnson um, because his scoring ability, his shooting ability, um, because he is a point guard and he is a scorer. And what he's done and revolutionized with the NBA has been absolutely fantastic. He's completely changed the landscape of the NBA. Um, if it wasn't for Steph, Braun probably would still have a lead on a lot of players. But I just personally think that it's, it's I don't think anybody's going to beat the Warriors. I, I just don't. I just don't see anybody capable of doing it because when they flip that switch, it's on and they just are unbeatable. They are just unbeatable, and they are spectacular. So, the last topic that we're going to get into, um, because I've got to talk about this and how great of a person uh, this player is. we got to talk about the tribute Russell Westbrook had to Nipsey Hupsle. Um, God rest his soul. Um, from what I hear, a great man, a great father, a great husband, um, a great community advisor, a great man in the community. Um, and it's always tough when we lose somebody that's very important in our community. Um, Baron Davis spoke about Nipsey Hustle, not um, Nipsey Hustle, excuse me. Um, and he talked about how a great man that he was how much of a role model and a figure he was in the community, how he helped so many people. And he also brought up the simple fact that in his eyes, everything Tupac said he was going to do as an activist and what he's going to do for the community, Nipsey Hussle, Nipsey Hussle did. And I took that, those words that Baron Davis said to heart because one, he's saying them on the air and two, he's getting very emotional. So I can tell he's telling the absolute truth. Um, to see an icon like that go down the way that he did was unbelievable. Uh, a lot of people are speechless. We're in mourning. 
um, even the game had a very emotional response to um, what happened with Nipsey. Um, it's it's tragic. Uh, it's truly tragic to to see something like that happen, to see another black life taken by another black life. You know, the violence. It's just got to stop. At some point, we got to get tired of it. I'm I've been tired of it. I'm tired of looking at my phone and saying such and such got shot or another black person's died. It's getting out of hand. It's getting out of hand and it's getting out of control and we have to do something about it. Um, you know, I'm definitely gonna pray that this world becomes a better place because it is ugly. This world has two black eyes on its face and it's not clearing up. It is not clearing up. Um, but the tribute that Russell did um, for Nipsey was absolutely fantastic for him to want to go 20, 20, 20. Um, I don't fully know what that means. I'm, I'm gonna look it up. I'm assuming it's a street thing, but for him to go out there and like Rick Buecher said to say, I'm gonna go out there and get 20, 20 and 20 when it's only been done by one player and that's Wolf Chamberlain. And he's one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Um, you have to you have to give Russ a lot of credit. Um, he put he puts his heart out on the line, and I absolutely love it. He's one of my favorite players to watch. I hate it sucks when I don't see him win, but I feel like Russ this season has struggled a lot because he has changed his changed his game, and he is trying to become the prototypical point guard that he needs to start to become. Um, and I see glimpses of that. And I see that I've seen that during the season, especially last night when he when he had ten assists in the first quarter. That's insane to have ten assists in the first quarter and end up with twenty one assists for the rest of the game. Um, he's just that good of a basketball player, and you know, my boy Julian does not like Russell. Does not like his game. I quote him as saying he thinks he's the dumbest NBA player ever or one of the dumbest NBA players ever. But you can't deny what he's done. It's absolutely nothing but great. To average a triple-double three years in a row, and I'm glad I got his numbers uh, of that, Russell Westbrook for the past three seasons has averaged back in the 2016-2017 season he has averaged 31 points, 10 assists, or I'll give you the percentage or the points, decimal points, 31.6 points per game, 10.7 assists, rebounds, and 10.4 assists per game. That's the 2016-2017 year. That's when he won the um, MVP. 2017-2018, that's his first year, 2016-2017, average triple double. His second year, 2017-2018, last year, he averaged 25.4 points per game. He averaged 10.1 rebounds per game. And he averaged 10.3 assists. This year, he's averaged 23 points per game, 11.1 rebounds per game, and 10.5 assists. If you look at his numbers, the scoring has obviously gone down from 31 to 25 to 23. That means he's taking less shots, but you also have to look at his rebounds. They went from 10.7, it went down to 10.1, and then now it's gone up to 11.1. So that shows that he's hustling on the floor. 
The assists are in the same range. He goes from 10.4, 10.3, back to 10.5. He, to me, this season has shown me that he has matured. And when I first saw it happen, it was an overtime game. I don't know. I can't remember if they won or not. It was at San Antonio against the Spurs. And the passes that Russell was making late in the game were absolutely fantastic. I remember he drove the ball hard to the paint. I can't remember if he kicked it out to Schroeder or he kicked it out to Paul George and they made the three. And now those were the shots he were passing up. Those are the shots he was passing up and the shots that he sometimes didn't trust his teammates to make. So when I look at that, I, I see the maturity. I see him trying to fix it. Another thing that I saw was during the game against the Boston Celtics, <clears throat> I believe it was Super Bowl day, you know, when the Patriots, one of the greatest franchises of all time, won the Super Bowl. Y'all remember that? I do. Um, it was a 3.30 game at Boston. They lost that game. But the way he was distributing the basketball, I was like, okay. That was my second. I was like, okay. He's starting to show me something here. And that's when I told that's when I told Julian. I said, you got to look at how he's dishing out these dimes. To, it looks like he's really starting to figure it out. And then the game, it might have been Christmas Day when they went up against the Rockets and they were down 26 and they fought their way back into that game. He was one of the big reasons why they went back into that game. But Russ has just, he's a phenomenal player. He is a phenomenal player. Um, I truly believe he's starting to figure it out. I think next year would tell us a lot if he's figured it out or not. I also believe it gives Oklahoma City the time to add um, some more shooters to the team. Hopefully, Sam Presti can work his magic and get some more shooters on this team. Um, the ceiling of this team right now is first round, the way that they're playing. As much as I love Russ and they beat the Lakers, they have to play better, and they haven't recently. So if they face if they face the Nuggets, I believe they get out of the second round. I believe, I'm sorry, I believe they get out of the first round because I believe they would beat the Nuggets. The second round would be very interesting because if they face Houston in the second round... Oh, my God. I... Not going to lie to you. I might be tempted to take them um, over the Houston Rockets. I'm not even going to lie to y'all. Um, I'm not even going to lie to y'all. I would... I would take that. I'd be crazy... I would be crazy, but I just think, I'm sorry, I just, I just, my mind would tell me don't put your heart into it and take Houston, but OKC, man, they're just so dangerous. They, they play, they play, they play the Rockets so tough. Like, here we go. So I pulled up the standings for what happened and the seedings were right now. If Golden State was going up against is the first seed, LKC is the eighth seed, they would meet up in the first round. Golden State wins that game series. Um, I think it'd be a tough series, but they won it. Portland versus Utah. 
McCollum. If McCollum's back, I'd take Portland. Houston versus the Clippers. That would be a great series. It would be a tough dogfight for Houston. I might take a chunk out of them. Um, I'd put my money on Houston, though. Um, Denver versus San Antonio. That's a tough one. There's a part of me that really would take San Antonio because of their experience. But, oh, man. That's tough. I'd take San Antonio. I'd bite that bullet. I'm, I'm, I'd bite that bullet. Um, the Bucks going to the Eastern Conference would face Orlando. Obviously, you pick the Bucks in that matchup. They would face Boston in the second round. Um, I could easily see Boston winning that series against Indiana. Um, but we'll see Boston. Yeah, Boston's not going to be. Let me look at Philly because Philly lost tonight. So they're 49 and 29. So Boston's behind probably. Yeah, they're behind three games. I'm sorry, they're behind two, two and a half games. So they're probably not going to catch Philly. So then Philly will go up against uh, Detroit. I was about to say Toronto's like, whoa. Philly going up against Detroit, I think Philly will win that series. I think Drummond versus Embiid would be a great series. And I also believe that in the next matchup, I think Toronto versus Brooklyn would be a very fun series. Uh, I'd see that going five, six games. I, I would like that series. I'd like that series. Brooklyn will play them tough. Um, but if that's if Golden, that's if OKC faces Golden State because if they're the seventh seed, I can see the Spurs losing against Golden State, obviously. But Denver, I would have OKC beat Denver and then have OKC go up against Houston in the second round. Then you have Golden State versus Portland. We've seen that too many times. Um, and I would love to see OKC versus Golden State in the Western Conference Finals. That's if they get the seventh seed. Then that's the path that I see them taking. Um... The Bucks will go up against Boston. I think Boston will win that series. I'm not even going to lie to you. Um, Philly going up against Toronto. I take Philly, and I still have Boston and Philly in the Eastern Conference Finals. And I have Houston and Golden State if OKC does not get the seventh seed. And if they do, I have Golden State versus OKC. So either way, I have OKC in that bracket. Um, that's my playoff prediction. Um, I low-key just gave y'all my playoff prediction, um, and I absolutely love it because I went full in depth with that one, so I'm very excited for what this season could hold um, because it's going to be a great one. It's going to be one for us to remember, and we're going to have a blast with this season. It's The playoffs are going to be very interesting. Um, a, lot of, a lot of on stake. A lot of at stake. Um, these teams, they have to put up or shut up. Giannis has to put up. Um, you know, Boston has to put up. Philly, Toronto. There's a lot at stake for Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, Toronto. There's a lot at stake with those teams. Just like there's a lot at stake with Golden State, OKC, Houston, Denver. <coughs> These teams have a lot at stake, and <coughs> I do not predict maybe one sweep, and I'll probably be Milwaukee, but we'll see what happens because if Brogdon isn't ready to start that second round, 
and they go up against Boston, they're in trouble. Boston will, I, I believe Boston will win that series. So, this, ladies and gentlemen, sadly concludes our very, very deep and informational episode of the Out of Bounds podcast show. Uh, this has been a great episode. Um, I've been sick lately, so I haven't really, I thought I'd feeling better. Came back, came back too early. Um, so this is me being back close to about 100%. Uh, it's been absolutely fantastic. This was a great episode. Um, did a blog post about the, um, I did a blog post about the um, LeBron and Laker drama this past season. And it has been a doozy. It has been something that has been on my mind a lot lately. And I just feel like I owe you guys the opportunity to get honesty and to show you I have no agendas. I do not hate any of these players. I do not have any agendas towards these players. I just want to see great teams and great basketball played. And I feel like if you really understand basketball and you read this article that I put up on my word on the Out of Bounds WordPress account, you'll understand what I mean about being honest. Um, because that really needs to happen in this league where we need to be honest. Ernie Grunfeld messed up. He deserves to be fired. The Nets and the Clippers deserve a lot of credit. I believe Jerry West has done a better job than Magic Johnson. I got to give him his credit. Um, I believe LeBron is part of the reason why the Lakers are where they are. Injury or not, he is in the middle of it. And what bothers me is he acts like he has nothing to do with any of this when he does. He's at the center of it with Rob Palenka and Magic Johnson. Um, you have to claim ownership. You know, you can't you can't continue to push this off and act as if oh, you did absolutely nothing wrong. No, you're, you're not 100 percent scot free in this. You've been known publicly to be involved in what's been going on. So there is no. It's not my fault. No, 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 no. You you got to take this on the chest because I promise you by next year, trust me, I'm going to have the same energy. Y'all ain't got to worry about me and my energy. I have no problem admitting when I'm wrong, especially when it comes about basketball. But I just truly believe that LeBron deserves some of the blame and that what the Lakers are trying to do, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy what they're trying to do in such a short time period with LeBron. And it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. So we'll see about this whole, whole about that whole situation. But I loved every little bit of this episode. Um, very deep and in diving into the information that I had for you guys from things that I've heard from watching NBA The Jump and listening to Brian Windhorst and you know disputing Rick Bucher. Rick Bucher is a very great analyst. He's a senior writer. Uh, he's definitely somebody you should check out. And listen to and listen to his show. Um, I just started listening to it today um, <clears throat> about Buker and Friends. Um, he has a show with Ryan Hollins, Will Blackman. It's a really good show. Um, I actually like it. I actually, he actually talks about some of the things about LeBron a little bit that I talked about today. So I definitely want you guys to go listen to that. Um, it's very interesting. It's something I think you should listen to. Um, but just overall, this has been a great episode. Absolutely love it. 
I've changed some things on the Out of Bounds podcast, uh, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Um, just little tweaks and stuff like that. But this has been a great episode. I could go on for another hour, uh, but I definitely have to get some water. <clears throat> but I absolutely love it. Oh, one more thing. I wanted to shout out. I saw this report go out today. I wanted to shout out and give mad respect to Stephen A. Smith. Um, he's about to become the highest paid talent at ESPN. Um, rumor has it that he's getting paid $5 million. I always wanted to know how much he was making. Now he's getting paid $10 million. Um, he deserves it. He's one of their best talents, if not the best talent that they have. And the more recognition he gets, the more um, the fans will respond in a great way. He's one of the reasons why first take is so good. He's one of the best basketball analysts in the game. He's one of the best reporters in the game. He gives you his honesty, his basketball know-how. Um, and I absolutely love keeping up with Stephen A. Smith. I love first take. He's the best part of the show to me. No offense, Max and Molly, but I love him. I love what he's done. A salute to your brother for, for holding it down for the culture and definitely representing and definitely going to secure that bag. So I'm definitely excited for him and happy for him. I'm very excited for the rest of what this season um, holds that we'll talk about, um, what's today, Wednesday, uh, Friday. We'll talk about the teams that are still in the hunt to make the playoffs and where they're positioned and how the seedings will rank up eventually. Um, but this playoffs is going to be very interesting. It's going to be There's a lot at stake for a lot of teams and a lot of players, and it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. That's why I think not having LeBron in the playoffs will be a good thing for the NBA. So it's going to be something great to behold. It's going to be something great to see, and I cannot wait for the NBA playoffs to start because it's going to be absolutely fantastic and I cannot wait. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is the end of this episode of the Out of Bounds podcast. I am the best host that there is out there. I am your host, the professor, a.k.a. Malcolm Campbell, on the greatest sports podcast show that's out there. And I'll see you guys next time. Peace.